0: Hallelujah. Father, we thank you right now for who you are, for your word that is alive, that's moving in our lives, for your presence that is always there. And I thank you for a perspective shift that in any moment, no matter what we're facing, Father, if we will ask you to give us the right perspective, we can see where you're working. We can see where you're doing it for the best for us because he who began a good work will carry it on to completion and Father somebody just needs to hear that this morning they're in a season where they're not really sure what to do the only thing you're asking them to do is to praise you and to worship you we've all got something to praise him for and he certainly deserves our worship So, Father, this morning, we just pray that the time we've spent in worship and in praise glorifies you. That, Father, you prepare our heart and our mind for your word. And God, after this time together this morning, we'd be edified, stronger, wiser, and ready for the week that is coming our way. We thank you. That whether it's online, whether it's through AirPods, your presence is still powerful enough to reach us right where we are. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, go on and give God praise one more moment. Come on. Hey, do me a favor. High five somebody, right? We're here. We're in person. High five. If you're online, high five somebody who's in the house with you. If you are alone, go to the mirror in your bathroom and high-five the mirror. It'll be one of those really cool moments where it's you and you, and, and you get it. You see it. You figure it hey, hey, welcome to victory at home. Welcome to victory on your phone, victory on your television, victory wherever it is that you have us. We are so glad to be with you. As you see, we are in the middle of what we're calling phase one, where we have brought recording uh, live recording back to the school. We have just a couple of people in here with us from our dream team that kind of gives me an, an audience to preach to a little bit, makes it a little bit more of what you're accustomed to. And then we are just praying and watching what's happening in our communities and getting ready in hopes that we can move to a phase two, which would be to then open this auditorium up to you. But certainly we will be uh, connecting with you, whether that's through email or social media, let you know when that happens. How y'all doing this morning? No, I got somebody to talk back. If you were with us last week, we, uh, we talked about how 2020 could be labeled Malta, right? 2020 is Malta. And then we said that there is actually a mission in Malta. And so we talked about how Paul was on, on this mission via ship and, and then the ship wrecked and he ended up on this island called Malta. And then he found out that he was actually there for God to operate through him and bring healing to all of the people on Malta. And it was just a powerful moment. We got so many messages from people saying, man, that was just, that was the word I needed. 2020 is Malta. I'm bit, but I'm not bitter. And just able to really celebrate that God has a mission for this season. And so I thought it'd be really fun that we could just kind of dive right back in to the story of Paul, Paul's life. So we're going to pick back up in Acts 28. So again, if you're with us last weekend um, or at any point throughout the week that you watched, you know that we left off in Acts 28 with Paul being on Malta for three months, and we're going to pick back up. We're going to start at verse 11. And so same story, same situation, Paul. And it says it was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island. And so three months have passed, and now Paul and everybody has loaded up on another ship, and now they're leaving the island of Malta. And it says an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed for three days, And from there, we sailed across to Regium. A day later, a south wind began blowing. So the following day, we sailed up to the the coast to Patilio. So special words. Uh, There we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. So now Paul is at Rome, his original plan, his original mission. And it says the brothers and sisters in Rome had heard that we were coming. And they came to meet us at the forum on the Apian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns, and when Paul saw them, he was encouraged, and he thanked God. And when we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Hey, do me a favor real quick. If you're watching online, if you're able to put in a chat, I want you to get ready to put the title of the message in the chat. If you're here in person, turn to the person beside you. Get ready to tell them. Here's the title of the message. Ready? The Paradox of Praise. Come on, tell them, say the paradox of praise. When uh, Darla and I were in Memphis, we were part of a church for, for a very long time. We were on staff there and so on, and we were there for, for, I don't know, probably 15 plus years or so. And depending on what time of our life that you came and visited that church, that church, again, whether it was 15, you know, 16 years ago, it was going through different seasons like every church does. So for example, uh, at one time they still had choir, in a choir robe, right? That that was common. Now it's not as common today, uh depending on what church you go to, but that was something they did regularly, is they had a choir that was in choir robe. Um, another thing that they did regularly is they had Sunday night service. Right? Anybody anybody y'all go to Sunday night service? Remember what that was like? Sunday night service is where the Holy Spirit fell. You know what I'm talking about? Because first of all it was always the faithful few, right? And people didn't have anywhere to be And so there might be somebody running around the auditorium. That's actually what I've been hoping for. Because there's not a lot of people in here with us, I'm hoping that at some point you're going to see just a little ball head from Jamal just come running right across the the bottom of the screen because he gets to move him. But but Sunday night was a thing. And one of the things that would happen on Sunday night, and I'll be interested to see if anybody uh, has experienced this themselves, is there was this time for what they called prayer requests and praise reports, right? Anybody remember this? Like, and depending on what church you went to, it, it could get, you know, the extremity of this could be different. Like some, some churches, they would put the microphone down right on the floor and people could kind of walk up to the microphone and they'd say, you know, William, you know, I have a prayer request. And they'd share their prayer request. And, and then there'd be like another microphone on the other side of the floor and they could come and share their praise report. And so, so it was, you know, it was just kind of a consistent thing. Like, here's my prayer request. Here's my praise report. and And, and here's what I naturally saw. Was that when someone shared a prayer request, the atmosphere kind of got somber, right? You know, someone would say, Hey, could you pray for my mom? You know, she's sick. And, you know, just kind of the the atmosphere, right? The the climate of the room would kind of, Oh, yeah, we're sorry. We're so, we're praying. We're, we're believing. And then the next person would come up with a praise report, and they'd be like, I just want to praise God, you know, that that I got a new job. And everybody's like, oh, hallelujah, won't he do it? You know, it's just one of those incredible, and so you would just see this, like, atmosphere change. Like, you knew it's somber if somebody's going to ask for a prayer request, and it's kind of exciting if somebody's going to ask for, for a praise report, and I kind of got it in this mode. Watch. I kind of got it in this, this pattern of prayer request bad, praise report good, Right? Like if somebody's gonna ask for a prayer request, it's like, oh, oh, let's, 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 stop talking. I mean, seriously. I mean, it's like, it was bad, good. And I just think there was something naturally in us that kinda wanted to categorize the two things. As if, if it's this, then you're going through a hard season. If it's this, then you're going through a good season. And just, again, the more I watched it, the more it kinda became engraved in my mind. Prayer requests, somber praise report, exciting prayer requests, bad praise report, good. And the more that I studied the life of Paul, the more I realized that he would have flipped that whole experience on its head, right? Like Paul would have just totally jacked up the whole Sunday night service because here's what Paul would have done. Paul would have come in and said, hey, I have a prayer request. And he would have given his prayer request with excitement right? It, the, the energy would have been so high for his prayer request that people would have been like, wait a minute, was that a, was that a prayer request or was that a praise report? I'm not sure which one. Or or he would be given a praise report and he would get summer. right? Remember Paul's, Paul's the same guy who said, when they said, hey, we're going to kill you, he said, well, then great. Absent from the body means present with the Lord, right? So people are like, wait a minute, shouldn't we be praying for the fact that somebody's about to kill you? And you're acting like it's A praise report, right? So he would, I just think he would flip the whole experience on its head because watch this. With Paul, you can't quite separate prayer request from praise report. It's almost like they're one. And I think the more that we listen to Paul and the more that we follow Paul, I think one of the reasons, one of the things that he's teaching us is this, that praise is paradoxical. Praise is paradoxical. So let me give you the definition of paradox in case you're familiar with the word and not sure. Paradox is defined as a figure of speech in which a statement appears to contradict itself. We get the word from the Greek word paradoxa, meaning contrary to opinion or expectation. So now let's go back to Acts 28, and I want you to tell me As I read through these few verses, I want you to tell me if you can pick out the paradox. All right, you ready? Here we go. Acts 28, we're going to read verses 15 and 16. Get ready and just see, you know, you can can put it on the chat if you see it, but I just want you to at least mentally think through. If you're with me here in person, I want you to try to pick out the paradox. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard that we were coming. So the people in Rome heard that Paul was coming and they came to meet us at the forum on the Appian Way. And others joined us at the three taverns. And when Paul saw them, he was encouraged and he thanked God. And when we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Did you see it? Did, did y'all see it? Were you able to pick out the paradox? No? Okay. I don't know if anybody's ever, but we're not having a lot of success here in person. But, but here's why I think we're not. The reason why I think you don't quite see the paradox in Acts 28 is because of the way that the verses have been translated. Because, for example, if you look at verse 16, it says Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging. Now, to me, that sounds like a trip with young adults to Gatlinburg, right? Private lodging? I mean, it sounds like a log cabin on the Smokies. You know what I mean? Like where you can just—he's just roasting food. It almost sounds like a uh, like a like a condo or a beach house, right? Private lodging. When I first read it, I thought it was like Paul's version of MTV Cribs. Right? Can you see him? He's like, Man, come on in here, come on in here. Check out, this is my living room space. It's just mine. It's private it's to me. This, this is, this is like the wet bar where we have communion, you know, and he's like going to his prayer room and he's like, this is where the magic happens. You know what I mean? Like it's his version of MTV Cribs. And I think because of that, when we read it, we don't pick up the paradox. But here's the deal. The, the problem is in the translation. Because when you take the original phrase, that was eventually translated into private lodging, the initial phrase was suffered by himself. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read private lodging, I don't get the word suffering, right? I imagine my feet are up, I've got Netflix, and I'm enjoying myself. So somehow the translation's off a little bit, but now that we know it means suffered by himself, in other words, he was under house arrest, chained, a guard. So Paul is suffering in house prison chained to a guard. Now that we know that, let's re-read a little bit and let's see if we can pick up the paradox. We'll start uh, with when Paul. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and he thanked God. Praise. And when we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have suffering by himself House arrest chained to a guard, prayer request. Praise, I thank God, but I'm still chained to a guard under house arrest. What you see here, the paradox in this, is that Paul knew how to praise God while he was still in prison. There's the paradox of praise. See, we're taught that paradox, or that praise is a positive thing. Oh, God delivered me, I'm going to praise God, right? Oh, God answered that prayer, I'm going to praise God. But if you're still in it, it's a what? It's a prayer request. It's not a praise report until God gets me out of it. But what Paul is teaching us is that the paradox of praise is this, that I can still be in the prayer request and be praising God. See, there's something about us, I think, as humans where, again, we want to categorize. That's why when you talk to somebody and you go like, hey, h- how you doing? And, and everybody has to be experiencing this right now with 2020 and the pandemic, racial injustice, and all these things that we're facing, that I almost think the question, how are you doing, is rhetorical, right? Like, how are you doing? Do you? I feel guilty telling somebody I feel good. Like, how you doing? Um, well, do you have a minute? Because there's parts of me that are doing really good. Right? I've had more dinners at home with my kids than I have in a long time. That's good. But I also can't meet with my church family. That's bad. So what I can't do is I can't give you good or bad. Right? I can't say I'm in a season of blessing or I'm in I'm in a rough season. Right? You ever been talking to somebody like that? How you doing? I'm I'm just I'm in a rough season. I'm going through some things. It's a season of pruning, right? Isn't it? That's the spiritual word for I'm trying to figure out how to be better, right? Everything's falling apart around me. I'm in a season of pruning. But we, want. We, want to, we want to kind of separate it. Like you're either in a season of blessing or you're in a season of hardship and struggle. There's something in us that wants to be able to separate them when Paul's saying, what if you can't separate the two? What if they're actually one? Psychologists have come up with a theory called the the uh, peak in theory, okay? And, and here's what that theory means. It says that you and I measure our experience not by minute by minute, but by peaks and pits, okay? So, so they, they go on to break it down and to give you some examples and so on. So one of the examples they use is Disney World. And here's what they say. They say that when it comes to you and I as human beings, if we were to go to Disney World, And then somebody says, how was your trip to Disney? Your response is not measured by your minute by minute experience. Matter of fact, they say that if you were to measure a trip to Disney minute by minute, right, every experience from waiting in the line to yelling at your kids to knowing that your feet hurt from walking around to getting up to the line, and I'm telling you the ride shut down, if you were to measure your Disney experience minute by minute, they say on a scale from 1 to ten, one being terrible, 10 being great, that the average Disney experience would be a 1.7 because you've got minutes of torture for just a few minutes of excitement. But what we do as humans is we take that experience and we measure it by the peaks and the pits. And when it comes time and somebody says, hey, how was your Disney trip? Well, it depends. Did you have more peaks or did you have more pits? And that's how we make the actual measurement of our experience. And what Paul's trying to teach us is is that the temptation that we operate in when it comes to what God is doing in our life is we want to measure our calling and we want to measure God's presence in our life based on whether or not we had more peaks or more pits. I thought it would be interesting to make that comparison of peaks being praise and pits being prayers. And if we're not careful, we will start to categorize our relationship with God and our presence with God and our calling from God on whether or not we find ourselves in more praise reports or prayer requests. And Paul's saying, what if the two actually are the same thing? So I, I thought I'd use some of the people that are here with me today just for a second. Um, Jenny, do you remember uh, there, was, there was a time, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak to the camera and tell you if she agrees with me or not in this response. Do you remember that there was a time where as a church, we were trying to raise $165,000 um, or actually $175,000 and we were at $110,000 and we were launching the church in like a month and a half and we still needed $65,000 and at the time you were the CFO, uh, you recently retired from CFO to be a miracle worker in the nursery and your husband has taken over that responsibility and y'all came over to our house to express to us that there was a little bit of worry in your heart because although you are a faith-filled person and although you trust me, We have a month and a half, and we need $65,000. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that we went and got the check out of the room, and we came back in with the check that was $65,000 from LifePoint Clarksville? And do you remember that moment? Are you able to go back to that moment? Would you consider that a peak? Was that a praise report? Here's what's interesting. Does it erase the pit? It doesn't. The the fear, or or maybe not the fear, but the concern that you came over with doesn't change. The pit is still very real, but the peak is there as well. So when you experience the peak, it's going to erase the pit, right? Jamal, do you remember, Darla and I were on our way to Memphis to have a couple days off, and we had not launched the church yet, but majority of our team had moved down here. And um, <laughs> we're on our way to Memphis and, and you had decided not to move down here and help us plant the church. And you called me on the phone and you said, hey, can, can I meet with you? And we said, yeah, it just so happens we're an hour away from Memphis, why don't you come over to Darla's parents' house and we'll talk. And we had just a phenomenal conversation right there in that living room. The Spirit of God moved and you admitted that you knew God had called you to be here. Do, do you remember that moment? You remember the peak of that moment, right? But you had been in some pits before that. Does it erase the pit? It doesn't. So again, you can have the peak, but it doesn't mean that it erases the pit. You can actually find yourself sometimes kind of going in and out of pits and peaks. You know, I'll say this, that... I remember um, all of the, the peak moments that Dar, or that the Lord did for Darla and I with this church, and I can think back on the peaks, but I'm still experiencing pits. And so, as much as I learn, watch this: that the pit I was in is not erased by the peak that I'm in now. In the same way, the peak I was in cannot be erased by the pit I'm in now. And, and what the way we want to train ourselves is that our emotion and our commitment and our calling tends to be dependent on whether I'm in a peak or a pit. And even to the point where we will actually think that God is with us in the peak, but is absent with us in the pit. Maybe even thinking that the peak is from God, but the pit's not. And yet what you see from Paul is that Paul is literally living his life in a constant roller coaster of pits and peaks. But his expression towards God and his passion towards God and his calling from God is not dictated by whether at this moment if he's in a peak or a pit. And if you and I aren't careful, we will categorize our calling on whether or not we've had more peaks or more pits. Do you know that the majority of people, I would almost be safe to say every individual that ever walks away from the calling that God has in their life, they didn't walk away in the middle of a peak. They walked away in the middle of a pit. You know what I'm also learning is that the longer you're in a pit, the harder it is to remember the peaks. You ever been talking to somebody who's making a life altering decision based off of a pit? And you can tell by the way you talk to them, they don't remember the peaks. And it's something about the longer we're in a pit, the less we believe that a peak is still coming. And so once again, where we stand is we are making life-altering decisions based off peaks or pits. And let me ask you this. What if the two are not different? But what if the two are the same? What if it's just one? In Acts chapter 16, we're in a similar experience with Paul, where he's praising God in prison. And it says a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials, ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison and the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Okay, now again, I've I've done a little bit of study on this before and shared this with our church, but when it says that they were put in the stocks, it wasn't the wooden thing with the holes that when you go to Gatlinburg, you get in there for a picture and you're like, yay! That wasn't what he was in. They say that they took his body and they twisted his body and then locked him in so that it was 24 7 torture right this is paul we're talking about this is paul who by the time he gets out of this he's going to go through a shipwreck and a snake bite and a mission in malta and then he's going to be sent to rome and then he's going to be put under house arrest where he's chained to a guard all right walk with me on this so paul is in prison and he's twisted up and the bible says he starts to sing and praise god give me give me a song jamal give me a song Give me, give me the best worship song you know. I'm about to sing it. Give it to me. No, you gonna, you gotta give it to me. We're live on. T- give me a song. And when oh, he- <laughs> hallelujah. Look, when we were in Memphis, it's coming, it's coming too. Jamal used to lead us in this song. We'd be like, you should have been there when I came through. The church was on fire and, come on, and the Holy, come here, come here, come here, come here, come, here, come here. Church was on fire. Come on, get up here. Church was on fire and the Holy Ghost too. From the top of my head to the ground of my feet, I got the melanin all over me. So. Okay, now hold on. All right, so that's how you dance, right? Y'all with me? I think they're embarrassed. All right. All right. Twist your body, twist your body. No, not fun. Twist it like this, like contort. Is it called contort? Contort your body. All right, you're Silas and I'm Paul. Now let's praise God. You should have been there when I came through. Church was on fire and a holy ghost too. Top of my head. Where you at, Silas? Top oh, of my feet. God, the, 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 the. point do you get the point nobody gets the point here's the point when we picture paul and silas praising in god we praising in the prison we picture them like this as if paul and silas are just you should have been there they are literally being tortured at that moment so watch this they are elevating a peak while they're in a pit they are we didn't even get it in, they are creating a peak in the middle of a pit Go be seated. I'm, I'm. I'm. Bring you back up there. We're going. We're going to finish it. But I, I think. I think. I think. The danger for us, church, is that we expect God to give us peaks in moments of comfort. We expect God to bring us out of pits so that we can celebrate the peak. But they're the same thing to God. And the way Paul illustrates it, the Bible says Paul was set free, but he was flogged. So Paul is literally in a pit and he's making it a peak. Isn't that interesting? So let me ask you this. If Paul's in prison, but he's worshiping God, is it a praise report or is it a prayer request? Which one is it? Huh? Both. It's good to have somebody talking back to you for once. It's both. How, How many of you how many of you remember taking tests, right? And you'd sit down, it'd be a little bubble test or a multiple choice, right? Multiple choice. It'd be A, B, C. And uh, it would say like this. It'd be like, you know, it'd ask the question and it would say, Is it A, the girl is on the train? Is it B, the boy is on the train? Or is it C, both of these? You remember doing that in school? Is it A, is it B, or is it both of these? Listen, when it comes to prayer reports, or I'm sorry, prayer requests and praise reports, when it comes to peaks and pits, the question is not, is it A? Listen, is 2020 a praise report or is 2020 a prayer request? Spoiler alert, it's both. It's both of these. Is what you are going through right now a prayer request or a praise report? It's both. It's both of these. What you are dealing with right now, it's not either or or. Because here's what we'll do. You ready? Oh, please catch this. Please catch this. We will label it a praise report or a prayer request based off how we feel. Right? And what Paul is saying is it's not based off how I feel. It's both of these. These things are one. One. Why? You ready? Here's why. You ready? You ready? Because, watch this, oh, because the very thing that you're praising God for now, you were crying in prayer for just a couple of days ago. Listen, there's somebody watching right now, and you are thanking God for this relationship that you're in. You're so excited. You finally got a godly man or a godly woman, and you're so pumped. You thought you were going to be the only single person in your family, and you are so excited, and you're praising God right now but it was just a little bit ago that you were in your living room crying and praying and asking God, it was just a little bit ago that it was a pit, and now it's a peak. There's somebody watching right now and and you've recently found out that you're pregnant and you've been trying for a long time and you're in this moment of just peak, you're just excited, and it was just a few months ago, maybe just a few weeks ago, that that you were crying because it wasn't happening and you you were in a pit. And what Paul wants us to learn is there is no separation between pit and peak. It's the same thing. All matters is what part of the story you're in. Because if you just go watch the movie, you just go go turn on Avengers. Depending on where you jump in the movie, you can try to decide whether you are in a pit or a peak. And if you start, watch this, if you start referring to your feelings based off of where you are right now, you will label a season a peak. Not understanding that God meant for it to be a pit. Because He needed you to be in the pit so that you could really appreciate the peak. See what I'm saying? We gotta get we gotta get away from the deal of being able to say it's this or it's that, it's good or it's bad. No, it's all one. It's both of these. I came prophetically to tell you today. Somebody's watching right now and 2020's been good for you. Man, this is happening. Yeah, I'm in a season of blessing. There's somebody watching 2020 has been terrible for you. You can't figure out. It seems like everything's falling apart. God is still in control. And it's not a praise report for you and it's not a prayer request for you. It's both of these. It's both of them. Because God needs them both. Because the pit will break you down and the peak will glorify his name. He needs both. He needs both. I felt like the Lord was telling me for us in this season more than ever. We can't jump to conclusions about this. Church, we can't label this good or bad. Got to understand that God is in control. He's moving, and so so all of that led to this thought that I wanted to give you. If you're if you're one of those people, with praise report, prayer request, praise report, prayer request. I felt the spirit of God tell me this: it's not a prayer request; it's premature praise. It's not praise report, prayer request; it's praise. And premature praise. So now look, I know that word premature can sometimes be negative depending on what context you're talking about it in, but let's just talk about the actual word for a second. The word means too early. See, these are these are the moments that we're going to get to a place where, where there's going to be running happening in here because premature praise would mean praise that's too early. Right? All right, watch this. We're going to go back to Acts 28. Okay. Acts 28, Paul gets there. He gets taken to house arrest, his private lodging. He's chained to a guard. Watch this. We're going to pick up at verse 23. So a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging, and he explained and testified about the kingdom of God, and he tried to persuade them about Jesus from the Scriptures. These people are coming to Paul while he's under house arrest, chained to a guard, and he's literally sharing the gospel with them. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Watch this. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. Now watch this. Not only is Paul under house arrest, but he's paying the rent while he's there. You ever felt like you were paying for your problem? You know what I'm talking about? I'm paying for my prison. (laughs) Paul's paying rent to be under house arrest, and yet he's being oper- he's operating in the presence and the mission of God. We would look at Paul's life and go, no, no, he's in a pit. God's absent from his life. He's never been more in the will of God than he is right now. And yet he's paying to be in prison. It says he welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. Can I tell you one of the reasons why I think Paul is becoming one of my favorite Bible characters? Is because when you follow through Paul's pattern of life, Paul is constantly praising God too early. Go back to Paul and Silas, right? He's all twisted up in prison. Listen, all of us could praise God once the chains are broken, right? is not a human being watching right now who would not be able to praise God if they were in prison and all of a sudden chains fell and the door opened you'd be like hallelujah you should have been there when I came through it'd be easy but what Paul was teaching us is that while it's easy to praise God in the praise report how difficult is it to praise God in the middle of the prayer request and the ability to be able to praise him too early He's in this house. He's under, he's, he's under house arrest. He's chained to a guard. And people are coming up to him. And he's sharing the gospel. And he's praising God. And it's too early. It's too early. I, if I want to learn something from 2020, something that becomes a pattern in my life, It would be the pattern of learning how to praise God too early. You know what I mean? Listen to me. Some of you, the greatest moments you've ever had with God started as things you would have prayed away. Better yet, some of the best things God will ever do in your life right now are in the form of something you want to pray away. But the ability to honor the pit gets you to the peak. See what I mean? We want to pick and choose what we get to experience with God. Oh, no, no, this is good. I like the good. Praise God. Oh, this is bad. I like the good. Stay away from the bad. Paul was saying I want them both because I don't want to just praise God when everything's going good. I want to praise God when I'm in the pit. Because I'm understanding that the pit is just preparation for the peak. See what I mean? Being able to praise him too early. Look, you want to make God mad? Oh, I'm sorry, you want to make the devil mad? Praise God too early. Right? <laughs> Come on, think about this for a second. If you want to, if you want to flat out tick off the devil. Start praising God right now, right? Start pra- I know the pandemic isn't over. I understand that, that it, everything's not fixed and the country's not back to normal. I understand that it hasn't been solved yet, but start praising God now. Start praising him too early. I understand that we are just on the beginning of trying to figure out this racial injustice and how to be able to love each other actually as we love ourselves. I understand we haven't solved it, but just praise God too early. Start praising God right now. I understand your mom's not healed. Praise God too early. I understand that the check hadn't come through. Praise God too early. I understand the house hadn't sold. Praise God too early. And we will learn how to praise God. you agree? Praising my God too early. Well, I can't praise him, Troy, because I'm still in the pit. That's our problem, right? If I understand that God is for me, not against me. If I understand that everything I pray that lines up with the will of God that is best for me, God answers that prayer. Then it makes sense that every prayer request is just premature praise. He might not do it now, but he's going to eventually do it. We said something earlier about the verse where it says what God began, he will carry out to completion, right? Here's what that tells me. That in a moment where you don't feel like you could get any deeper in the pit and it would be justified to label it as a season of failure, as a season of disappointment, there's no better moment than to praise God in that moment right there. Am I right? It's it's when you're facing something And everything around you says to you that you're not going to be able to survive this. Come on, can we talk about Paul for a second? He goes for being in prison with Silas. There's all kinds of junk in between that and Acts 28. But let's just jump now. He's in a boat. He's a prisoner, it's shipwrecked, he swims to Malta, he gets bit by a snake, He, he, he does all these great things for God. He gets off of Malta, right? Praise God, I did my three months in Malta. Praise God, and then you get to Rome, and guess what, you're going to prison. What do we have for him, Bob? Oh, house arrest, right? It's in the most piteous moment, I don't even know if that's a word, but in the most piteous moment, that is your greatest praise. Now, I said all that to say this. How do you and I have confidence in premature praise? Right? Because sometimes you can prematurely praise, and a month goes by, two months goes by, and three months goes by, and you don't really see anything changing, and you start to become more and more frustrated. And you start to doubt that this is what God had for you to begin with. And before you know it, you kept trying to hold up a peak that just ends up putting you further in a pit. And so in studying what's happening with Paul, I feel like the Lord told me something that I wanted to share with you and then I want to illustrate it for you. And here's the statement. In order for you to have premature praise, it's completely dependent on whether or not your focus is on your conditions or your calling. If your focus is on your conditions, you will not be able to operate in premature praise. If your focus is on your calling, then you can. And I want to illustrate it. Jamal, come here for a second. Melanie, come here for a moment. I want to use you for a second. So stand right here. Say hi to everybody online that's watching. Stand right here for a second. So Melanie is going to represent the people that were coming to Paul to hear the gospel. All right, so so standing and, yep, stand that way. So Melanie represents all the people that were coming to hear the gospel from Paul. I'm I'm representing Paul. You're representing the guard that was chained to me. Because the Bible says that Paul was under house arrest and he was chained. So I I want you to just kind of grab onto my belt there. Right? I don't have a chain, but your arm's gonna be your chain. Okay? So, again, the illustration here. I'm Paul. This is the guard chain to me. You are the people coming to hear the gospel. Okay? Theologians believe that it was people that were already believers that were being encouraged. Theologians believe that some of it were people that had come from churches that he had planted. Some of them believe it was some of his mentorees and then just people who were interested. So, you are representing a wide group of people. Okay? So that's who you are. So, so here I am. I'm Paul. You're coming to visit me in my house where I'm under arrest. You stand right there. I want people to be able to see you. So you stand right there. And I'm going to share with you the gospel. Okay. You're going to leave and you're going to walk out and get on your camel or whatever the process is. And you're going to start to have debate and conversation and go, isn't it disappointing to have your pastor in prison? I almost, I've been there. Ho- hopefully you never have to deal with that, but I've been close. Um, but but wouldn't, wouldn't that be disappointing, right? Like, Man, hey, where's how's pastor? Ah, he's in prison. Okay. Wouldn't it be difficult to be able to hear from someone how to be set free when they're bound? Right? Wouldn't it be really hard to hear premature praise out of someone who's obviously still in the middle of their problem? How could you do that? Better yet, how could Paul do it? How could Paul be standing under house arrest knowing about Malta, knowing about the shipwreck, knowing about the prison time with Silas, be attached to a prisoner or a prisoner guard and try to share positive news to somebody who honestly isn't even as committed to the gospel as he is. No reflection of you, right? So here's what the Lord told me. The only reason Paul could do that is because his focus is not on his condition, it's on his calling. Good, right? It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. good. We don't even understand what that means. It's good now. It's fixing to be great. All right. So watch this. All right, Melanie, you turn around, you walk out of the shop for a second. You're leaving. All right. So time goes by. Now, here's here's what the Bible says The Bible says that Paul had multiple guards, okay, which means there were times where they would take off. And there a new guard would come in. So you come, you come take off. You said, Tim, come here for a second. You come stand right here. Come stand right here. We didn't practice this. So if you're watching online and it's a little choppy, I'm sorry. All right. Now you, you grab on. All right. Now I got a new guard. Now you come back in. All right. Now, now you're a new group of people and I'm preaching the gospel and this, you know, I got my guard. I'm preaching the gospel even though I'm in chains. It's amazing. Now you leave. Now Tim, you come over here. Jeff, come here, bro. Come here, come here. Now Jeff, you stand right here. All right. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I know you're cool, but that, uh, come on, come on. Grab onto me. All right. Now, now you're a guard. Come here, come here, man. You come in. and now I'm sharing the gospel with you because it said from evening to morning, from morning to evening, right, right, all day, right. Sharing the gospel. Okay, now you come stay here. All right. Okay, now you can exit. Now watch it. Watch it. Watch it. This guard for four, or five, six hours heard me preach the gospel. Right. This guard for five or six hours heard me preach the gospel. This guard for five or six hours heard me preach the gospel. Paul was never concerned about these people. They already knew the gospel. He wasn't concerned if they thought that he should be praising God or he shouldn't be praising God. Paul's focus was on his calling. And so while he was telling them about the gospel, he was leading all of them to Jesus. And so there was this moment where Paul realized, watch, I'm not in it for them. I'm in it for you. Is that not powerful? I'm not in it for them. I'm in it for you. I'm not going through the pit I'm going through for me. I'm going through it for you. What I'm in, listen, you can tell me all day that my situation doesn't reflect the fact that God is in it. You can tell me that I should be acting one way because I'm in a pit instead of a peak. And I would tell you that my focus is not on my conditions, but it's on my calling. And that my calling is to those who do not know Jesus. So Paul says, if I have to suffer, I'll suffer. If I have to have more prayer requests than I do praise reports, then so be it. Because at the end of the day, I'm not doing it for comfort. I'm not doing it for status. And I'm not even doing it for joy. I'm doing it because God called me to do it. Amen? Hey, do me a favor right now. Close your eyes. If you're you're watching online, close your eyes. I want to speak directly into your home for a moment. If there was ever a time to not be measuring pits and peaks, it's right now. There was ever a time where people were saying, you know what? It just seems like one thing after another. I just wanted to tell you and I wanted to encourage you that when it comes to Paul, when it comes to the presence of God in your life, there is no separation between prayer request and praise report. The both are one. And God's using them both. Every struggle, every tear, every moment of rejoice. It's still a part of your calling. And I think that if the Spirit of God and the presence of God could encourage you to do anything, it would be to start operating in premature praise. Make that your mantra. I don't want to praise God too early. And then hear me, please, please hear me. Once you make that commitment and you decide that you're going to start praising God despite what you're going through. Understand that if you focus on your conditions, you will waver from your praise. Don't focus on your conditions. Focus on your calling. God has still called you. God still loves you. God's hand is still on you. God still wants to do something in you, through you, and for you. But your focus is on your condition. And you're forgetting your calling. So Father, I pray right now. Again, for every person that's in this place, every person that's watching, every person that's listening, that they would begin to inhabit your presence and they would begin to realize that you are still with them. Right in the middle of 2020, I know school's not going the way you thought it was going to go. God's still with you. I know your job situation didn't work out the the way you thought it was going to. God's still with you. I know that someone got sick and the healing didn't operate and I know that it's hard at work and and God's still with you. I know the finances aren't lining up, and God's still with you. I know you're watching everything that's happening on social media, and it's breaking your heart. God's still with you. He has still called you to do what you know He's called you to do. But you won't find confidence in your conditions. You're going to find confidence in the calling. So, Father, we just want to end today for just a moment, spending just a moment in worship, praising you for your presence, praising you for both the pits and the peaks. Come on, there's somebody listening right now. You feel like you've got nothing but pits. What a moment to praise God. Regardless of where you are, it's just the paradox of praise. So again, whether this is on in your living room or it's on your phone, just take just a couple of moments and give God the very praise that he deserves and yearns for.